I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what does it matter? Just and it won't it won't select that as an <laughs> and, output until I and tell it just it what like. It is. And it remembers everything that you've plugged in? No, I, that's the thing. I haven't. Oh, even okay, okay. The only okay. thing I haven't plugged in is headphones. Hang on, let me. Un okay. I'm gonna unplug them and see if I can bring up the list again because I've never even looked at the whole thing. Okay, uh, line in, mic in, headset with microphone, speaker out, skull candy headphone, Dell speaker out, skull candy headset, and I just select headphones. And there we go. Why my computer is so obsessed with the brand name Skull Candy? That I have no idea. Are your headphones aren't skull candy, are they? No, I've never owned skull candy anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it has two uh, like examples of like yeah. skull candy products what that I might hell? plug in. I have no idea. What the hell? I mean, <laughs> I, I I don't even know. Skull candy had like a death grip on us when we were in high school, like or whenever <laughs> I was in high school, yeah. but like I haven't owned a pair of skull candy headphones in <laughs> My God, 15 years? I think this computer's about that old, so that, that tracks. They were oh, probably... Okay, yeah. It might have, a, might have a, a brand deal with Skull Candy whenever it came out. That's probably what it was. I bet Dell and Skull Candy, <laughs> I bet they had like, buy your gaming laptop from Dell oh. and get a free pair of Skull Candy. Yeah. That's probably it. I think oh, we just... my Lord. <laughs> I think we just unlocked the early 2000s brand deal between these two companies. So I, I wanted to uh, ask you, I don't know if you heard me talking about it on Candy this week, but I found out that, and I can't believe you haven't been yet, but maybe you have, that the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame is like just a couple hours from you. There's, yeah, it's one of them. Oh! Or it, it's the, uh, it, it's not the WWE Hall of Fame. Okay. Because that doesn't actually have a real physical location. That's the website. Yeah, uh, but the pro, the the PWHF, yeah. the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, is in Wichita Falls. Yeah, uh, if you're uh, a King of the Hill fan, you know where Wichita Falls is. I didn't know but, it was a King of the Hill reference. Is that that's not where oh, he's yeah. from? Is it? No, he's okay. from Arlen. Oh, but yeah, the yeah. Dallas Cowboys training camp is in Wichita Falls. Okay, man, Wichita Falls. Well, the reason I was talking about it is because Bowling from Soup is there <laughs> from there too. I'm oh like, no way! Yeah. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. how I found yeah. out about it. All right, should we get going? Might as well, yeah. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 1, Episode 6, The Wire. But before that, not don't confuse, we didn't watch the entire HBO series, The Wire. We watched one HBO oh. episode. Of, did you accidentally watch all of The Wire last night, Ted? I, I'm so I sorry. Did. Oh my gosh. Oh, you must be exhausted. It. Yeah, I, I didn't sleep. Ah. <laughs> Well, I kind of envy you. I've always wanted to check it out, but uh, unfortunately, we're not we're not talking about that. I hope you can keep up with this episode. All right, yeah. <laughs> I'll walk. No, no. I, I I've always wanted to watch The Wire, yeah, but like I, hear it's I it, it's one of those things that I'm like I don't know when I'm ever gonna have the time to do this. I know it's just gonna same, be same with Sopranos. Oh yeah, that was a good one. I did I did watch that one actually. I mean, that was one that I caught up. You know, I I, I think mm, they announced yeah. the last season and I was able to binge it before that started. So I think that I watched. Yeah, that's yeah. I know that's one that uh, that Aaron like binged as soon as uh, HBO Max came out yeah. because he had never, or I think he had seen like a few episodes of it, but it was one that he'd been wanting to watch forever. Yeah, and he sat down. It took him like three or four weeks, but he sat down and watched all of The Sopranos. I believe it. Yeah, it's it's a haul, but um, yeah, I I, I I killed it over a couple months. I think just watching an episode every day or something. But then I caught I caught up in time to watch. 
the last season as it aired, I think. Um, but yeah, that and like we just finished Breaking Bad this year, so you know they'll they'll be time. They'll be oh, time, man. For me to watch yeah, I I want to. <coughs> pardon me if I if I go mute for a bit. I'm trying <laughs> to mute my mic every time I have a coughing fit. So that that's that okay. that'll that'll explain why. But I, I've been trying to. Uh, I I really want to rewatch Breaking Bad, but again, I just don't know when I would have the time to do so. Yeah, we were just in a we were in a show hole. I mean, that's when you're going to do it. You're like, all right, gosh, we've we've done everything. What should we do? And then then just start it up. Just I think that's what I did. Sarah was like, I yeah. don't know, and I was like, we're just going to watch it. Let's just watch <laughs> it. Someone's got to put their foot down, and and now we want to watch Better Call Saul. Now that that's wrapping up, too. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I've I've seen all of Breaking Bad, but yeah. never have watched any of. Better Call Saul. Yeah, and and I'm psyched because that was like one of the best characters in Breaking Bad. Obviously, I mean he was a main character, but um, well for the most part. But it, and every time he was on screen, I loved it. And I'm like, well now there's a whole show about that guy. Why haven't I watched that yet? Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, what is the deal with stuff from our last episode though? <laughs> Interior decorator. We basically just wanted to do a shallow dive on some of the actresses that were in the episode. The first was Karen Maruyama who played Joanne, the parking attendant. She is just one of these people. I'm like, where do I recognize her from? I don't know. One of her 107 acting credits. Gotta be somewhere. <laughs> I mean, she's oh just God. done so much stuff. I do, uh, but some of the stuff popped out to me. Like, she's gawker number one in Pulp Fiction. At the Ooh, end of Pulp Fiction, okay. Marcellus Wallace gets into a uh, vehicle, a car accident, uh, and so does um, Bruce Willis. Well, Bruce Willis, I guess, mm -hmm. is the one in the car. Marcellus Wallace is not. But uh, yeah, they end up in an accident, and then she's like one of the people on looking and saying, "Hey, you're really hurt," or something like that. And oh, I think she might get shot. She's the one that gets shot in the leg. I don't think so. But yeah, she's one of the people who are like concerned uh, onlookers, a gawker, if you will. Uh, she was also in another one of my favorite movies, maybe my favorite romantic comedy, if you can count it as that, because it's a little bit of a political drama as well. The American President with Michael Douglas, and she played hmm. Leo's secretary in that. So I definitely remember her from that as well. Uh, she was in a video game that I played a ton when I was in uh, oh probably God. high school. She was in the Blade Runner video game, which is great. Whoa, okay. Like point-and-click adventure game. And she was the fish dealer in that. And she also has a couple of Simpsons credits. She was in 30 Minutes Over Tokyo as the Japanese stewardess and in Marge We Trust as Dancing Woman Number 1. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then, again, she's just been in, in everything, just a constantly working actor. Uh, Marissa Jarrett Winokur has 72 acting credits, but she seems to be most famous for doing Broadway. She was uh, on Hairspray. She was in Hairspray on Broadway for a long time. Whoa. And she even won the Tony Award for that. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, she's also has a, a big part, it seems like, in What We Do in the Shadows, which is another show that I've always wanted to go back and watch. Yeah. Not go back, just watch for the first time. I want to watch the movie and then start the show because I hear it's drop-dead hilarious. Uh, and it's got some of my favorite people in it. So I'd love to watch that one. Uh, from I did not know this. From 2010 to 2011, she was a co-host on the daily daytime talk show, The Talk. Huh. Okay, yeah. that's that's the offshoot of The View, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. it was. I think it was the one that... I don't want to mix it up with The Chew. The Talk is the one with like Sharon Osbourne and stuff, right? I think so. Yeah. I, I think it was just whatever network The View airs on. Yeah. Uh, I think it was just another network's answer to the view yeah know? i think so yeah yeah um and yeah she was she was on that for a while i remember when it was like 
huge news anytime there was a regime change on it was like barbara walters is leaving the view this person's coming to the view this, <gasps> it was like yeah there's rumors that this person might be joining the view and it was the biggest entertainment news and now it's like i couldn't even i think Whoopi and joy are still on i can't like, tell you I, anybody else who's on like the view. i i think john mccain's daughter is on yeah on but I, thought, see, I thought she megan, left megan mccain did she leave well that, i don't know <laughs> I, I think she's always threatening to because she's like, I'm a conservative voice and I'm being censored. Uh, and then she gets some press and, and gets to pop up on on those outlets and then she stays. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know if she's still on, honestly. But it, that just goes to show you how big a news it used to be as opposed to what it is now. Um, but for some reason it was a... I mean, SNL used to do a View sketch like every other week. Star Jones, that was a name from The View. Yeah. It looks like uh, yeah. Megan McCain was on The View, not The Talk, and right. she did quit back in uh, late 2021. Wow. Yeah, see? I, I had a feeling she was gone, but again, I I don't I, I wasn't for sure. I was like 50% sure. Um, for, uh, she was featured on season six of Dancing with the Stars, which was in 2008, and made it all the way to the semifinals, but Christy Yamaguchi won that season. I do recognize her from this in American Beauty. She's the Mr. Smiley's counter girl. Did you ever see that? No. Uh, well, um, yeah, she's recognizable from that. She was on a show that I watched a ton in high school called Boston Public, but I, and I think she played one of the students on that. But um, that's a great show. I wish that was like streaming somewhere. Um, but I don't. I don't really remember her from that. But she was on it. And her first acting credit was in 1995 on one of my favorite shows when I was 14. Step by step. Oh my god. <laughs> TGIF. <laughs> and she played Dork Dancer, which I'm guessing is a description of her character, but also not a bad name. <laughs> Hello, I'm Dork Dancer. <laughs> uh maybe like a um maybe a Scandinavian name. Hello, I'm Dork Dancer. Jesus Did you Christ. You say Dork Dancer? <laughs> um, that's basically a step-by-step -step plot right there. And then Patrick Duffy makes fun of the name and uh we all have fun. The nurse, as you recognized her as uh Chessie from The Parent Trap, nineteen ninety eight is Lisa Ann Walter, best known as the creator and executive producer of the Oxygen Network reality weight loss competition series, Dance Your Ass Off, which I had not heard of before I read this Wikipedia page. Oh, but my Lord. <laughs> Dance Your Ass Off was hosted by Marissa Jarrett Winokur. Oh, no way. Yeah, I know. Wow. I'm like, did they meet on this episode? And then all of a sudden this happens i don't know it's uh, kind of weird in the first season she hosted then in the second season melanie brown took uh took control uh the nurse also played debbie and bruce almighty who i, I think i kind of remember her in that role bruce almighty was the one with uh jim carrey evan not evan almighty the one with correct Carell. correct yeah but she's got a huge role she's on tv right now in one of the most critically acclaimed shows on abbott elementary Oh, I've been meaning to watch Abbott Elementary. I hear a lot of good things about it. Yeah, same here. It sounds like a spiritual sibling to AP Bio. Maybe not as absurd, maybe more grounded in real life, but... Yeah, uh, I, I feel like yeah. ABC shows are, are more so in yeah. that direction. More grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and yeah, she plays Melissa Scamenti in that, which... Um, so, she's... I, I can't spot her in, like, the cast picture that I see everywhere, so she must be kind of a, a tertiary character, but she's in there. She's in, a, I think, a ton of episodes, like six or seven, something like that. So, uh, yeah, that's where you can see the nurse, Chessie, Lisa, and Walter. Um, what else from this episode? Just one little bit of uh, trivia. While Larry and Jeff are waiting in Diane Keaton's house, we, we, weren't, we both weren't sure about this, 
which is why I, I, I mention it, but Larry sees a table lamp and stares at it, and then he says it looks familiar. The lamp is identical to the one that Larry accidentally broke uh, while okay. he was a guest at the dinner party in Porno Gill. Yeah. So I got to wonder if we're going to see it one more time just to drive the joke home, how, how common this lamp is in all the houses that Larry goes into. Um, I would I would say yes. I mean, you got to write it in one more time just because that would make it three, but who knows? Who knows? Um, they, they're probably, like, overthinking it. Like, no, if we do it one more time, everyone's expecting it. Yeah, yeah. But if they if they don't, it was, like, not really... F- I mean, I guess it was funny. It wasn't for anything, know. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, what was it all for? Uh, so, uh, let us now consult the book. Uh, in this episode, <laughs> <laughs> director Andy Ackerman told Rose Abdu, who plays the interior decorator, to lay a surprise kiss on Larry during their brawl. So it was Andy Ackerman's horrible idea oh for her to do God. that. Oh, my God. Boo. Ackerman. Tomato, yeah. tomato. Throwing I, tomatoes. I agree. All the tomatoes. Uh, Larry had a lawyer who took it upon himself to read one of, his, one of his scripts and then charge him for it. David paid him and never used him again. So ripped from real life, uh, that situation. Okay. Yeah. All the patients sitting in the doctor's waiting room are members of the Curb Your Enthusiasm crew. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, the scene in Larry's lawyer's office takes place in the conference room because when they arrived on the day of the shoot, the office they were supposed to do the scene in was being painted. So again, that was true. She said she was like, oh, they're painting my office. That's why I'm in here. So <laughs> it was literally true. They just they just rolled with it uh, from the what were they thinking section. Rose Abdu, who again plays the interior decorator, said it's really hard to watch yourself come on to someone and them want nothing to do with you. If you watch when we're wrestling, Larry's really trying hard to get me off him. Uh, and Marissa Jarrett Winokur, who played Woman in Elevator, who has a name. She played Marissa, but they have that in parentheses there. I remember we were (laughs) literally fighting with each other 100%. I was like, there's no way he's going to beat me to the door. We were full out beating the shit out of each other. I remember being face down in the carpet like, this is insane. (laughs) (laughs) You got to sell it. You got to sell it, you know. So that's it. That's all from the book. You may be seated. All right. All right. Do we want to go over like the the breaking news that happened yesterday as we're recording? Uh, yeah, we should. And I don't even think we have talked about. Did we talk about the double breaking news? I don't think we did. The the second to most recent person to die. Yeah, we did. No, no, I'm talking about the the fact that Curb is coming back for season. 12. Oh, I don't think no, we talked we, about that on the main. No, we have not. So what do we what, what do you want first? The bad news or the good news? Uh, I, I guess the bad news. Yeah. Uh, so it broke yesterday, and this is just um, kind of crazy. Again, yeah. Again, yeah. yesterday, as we're recording this, if you're listening to this on the free feed, you're not hearing this until May 1st. Right. Uh, but this happened on uh, April 15th is when this news broke. Yeah. Liz Sheridan passed away, who played Jerry Seinfeld's mom on the show for all of those episodes and uh, the outpouring of support, even from Jerry himself, who said Liz was... Always the sweetest, nicest TV mom a son could wish for. Every time she came on our show, it was the coziest feeling for me. So lucky to have known her. She was 93, which Man. is incredible. Yeah, and just comes a couple weeks after Estelle Harris passed away. I don't even think a couple of weeks. I think, didn't as we're recording this, didn't Estelle pass away on Sunday? I guess it, uh, let me see. It's it's very close together. Yeah, yeah. It, it's odd that we lost the two main, the only two moms ever to, no, wait. Kramer's mom. I forgot. We did meet Kramer's oh, that's mom. Right. Yeah. She passed away on April 2nd. So Okay. So, a couple uh, weeks ago, th- I guess. Uh, 
12, 13 days away. Yeah. Uh, a little under two weeks. Yeah, you're right. And here's the thing I forgot about Liz Sheridan. I, that, I mean, I guess it, I did watch ALF growing up, but I totally forgot she was on ALF. But ALF was on when I was very huh. young, so it, okay. it didn't make a huge impact, but I remember it being <laughs> hilarious. Um, and, and you know, a picture of her younger and on that show did did flash in my mind when I saw that she was also credited with that. But mostly famous these days for being uh, the mother of Jerry Seinfeld. Helen Seinfeld, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that is very sad. But now the good news. We've been renewed. <laughs> yes, us, us specifically. We, yeah. we have gotten another season to, yeah. to talk about. <laughs> During an Emmys event at the Directors Guild of America on April 10th, Larry David confirmed that the long-running HBO series Curb Your Enthusiasm will be back for a 12th season. The event featured Larry, executive producer Jeff Schaefer, Jeff Garland was there, Susie Essman, J.B. Smoove, Cheryl Hines, and Richard Lewis, and it was moderated by Rich Eisen. And it included a screening of the season 11 episode, The Watermelon, which we'll get to in a couple years or so. <laughs> and, uh, but he announced that someone asked him if he, he wants to, if he's going to do it again. And he said, yeah, it was very short. And we don't know much details besides that. But uh, um, as we know, Curb's return is never a sure thing. Yeah. The show took a huge hiatus between 2011 and 2017. So thank goodness they didn't do that on our watch. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but Curb just kind of operates on whether Larry has a good idea or not. So... Um, back in February, when people were wondering, as the show wrapped up, if there would be another season, uh, HBO Max chief content officer Casey Bloys told Deadline, as usual, if Larry has an area that he's excited about, we'll do more. I imagine he will. Uh, and here we are a couple months later saying <laughs> he's doing it because he's one of those like he'll sometimes come back. And I guess in 2011 was one of those times when he was like, nah, I'm done. I don't I don't have any I don't yeah. want to, you know, I don't, I don't and then have he has anything a, more to more to do. And then he has a great idea, and he's like, "Well, damn it! All right, I'll just do it again." You know, fine. I wonder if uh, I wonder if Larry lost his notebook in 2011. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what happened. It took him six years to find it. Thank goodness we weren't doing this. And like, all right, Ted, that's uh, that's it. And, and either we're like, we move on to another show, or the <laughs> podcast dies. And then in 2017, we had to figure out: do we do, do we, we come bring back? it back? Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. No, we're gonna go strong for 12 whole seasons. Well, 11 and a half now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's it. Oh, boy. All right. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 29 minutes <laughs> being uh, exclusively research and bullshit. Uh, we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode, as though we are assigning... Uh, we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim hasn't seen these episodes in 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Uh, both those links are in the description. And we've actually got something in Newman's mail sack, but seeing as how we are coming up on the 30 minute mark uh, we will save newman's mail sack for the end of today's episode uh, if you would like to support us you can always give us a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcasts and spotify uh, if you do so we will give you a free no hugging no learning sticker we just need your mailing address get that to us however you want um, if you'd like to support us monetarily you can do so over at patreon.com it's patreon.com slash no hugging uh, again that link is down in the description most recently, uh, whenever you are listening to this, we will have released our review of Pixels. 
I mean, this is worth it's I mean, all of the episodes are great. I say this after every episode. I'm like, I can't believe the quality content that we're putting on Patreon. It's just like if, if you listen to the stuff we put out for free, you get a great yeah. idea. And like, that's it every single week. But this one, <laughs> I mean, emotions ran so high. I can't God. recommend it enough. Yeah. And then we are uh, we are recording another exclusive for Patreon the first week of May. So if you are listening to this on the free feed as it comes out, coming up in just a few days, we will have another exclusive for you. So it'll have just enough time to catch up on everything we've released so far <laughs> and uh, and hear our, our new exclusive the end of this week. But Pixels is worth five bucks right now. Pixels oh, is worth yeah, the yeah. five bucks. Jesus, that was Christ. the only thing yeah. on the feed I'd say <laughs> worth it. <laughs> if it if it was uh, if we were an exclusively Pixels and B movie <laughs> podcast, I yeah. would say the five bucks would be worth it. Yeah, but but I mean, and everything else is just gravy. I mean, it's it's so good. Season one, episode six, The Wire, original air date, November nineteenth, two thousand. If you are looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry and Cheryl befriend their odd neighbors in order to get their approval to bury an unsightly phone wire. Mm. All right. And we open in Jeff's office where he is on the phone. He's very uh, taking this panicked phone call where an underprivileged kid that he sponsors set fire to the camp that he's at. He burned down the canteen and his cabin. And I, I liked this bit where... Larry's like, oh, too bad he wasn't a kleptomaniac. You know, that's the maniac that you want. Pyro's not a good <laughs> maniac. I loved that dissection of the word. I wish they could have thought of some more maniacs to... Um, yeah. Oh. To, what's another kleptomaniac, pyromaniac? I, I can't even think of one. Maybe that's why they were like, all right, forget it. Yeah, maybe they ended after, after, <laughs> after those, the, those few. Pyro's a bad maniac, though. Uh, Larry has to go home early to meet his neighbors they, that's the last signature they need before they can bury this cable that goes across their backyard that is just driving Cheryl absolutely crazy. Uh, rich people problems. Hashtag rich people problems. Like, <laughs> Cheryl doesn't have to work a day in her life because she's married to a man yeah, who makes you, a, a billion dollars every year on a show he wrote, like, 20 10 years, years ago. 20 years yeah. ago. Uh, and and so this is the kind of thing that you have to worry about when you're you're you that know, rich. You know what this reminded me of? You watch documentary now, right? No, I haven't. Oh, put my it on Lord. the list. I know, Tim. It, it is okay. in my queue. It's on my Netflix list. It is. Yeah, you've got to watch documentary now. Specifically, this is reminding me of. Oh, uh, what was the episode? Um, okay, it was gentle and soft. The story of the blue jean committee. It's a, a fake documentary about, like, the rise and fall of, like, this 70s rock band. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a scene in one uh, uh, one of the episodes, because it's a two-parter episode, where Bill Hader is playing, like, one of the aging rockers living on this, like, picturesque hill in L.A., but he's got one tree in like in his view that is kind of blocking his view of the ocean and it's the biggest deal in the whole world he's like i i want to get rid of that fucking tree i can't see the fucking ocean because of it Me- oh, meanwhile it, it's maybe taken up three percent of his view of this huge <laughs> body of water that reminds me of something that literally happened in the city of pittsburgh last year there, there's a very famous christmas like a uh, uh, three rivers meet where Pittsburgh is and there's a, literally a point they call it the point so there's a triangle yeah. and they put it's the most famous Christmas tree in the city they put right there at the point and it's beautiful and then Man. last year the, the people that run the park 
the whoever it is, they were like, oh yeah, we're not putting that up because it sort of ruins the flow and the idea of the park. You're supposed to be able to see. Oh, people were get like, fucked. That's what everybody said. They were like, what? You're not going to put this tree up for like two months out of the year because it <laughs> because it ruins like the feng shui of the park. Like Jesus Christ, there was such an outcry that they were like, fine, we'll put the tree up. Like yeah, like no, you can't <laughs> see if the tree is there. It's like that's the idea. You're looking at the tree. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was absolutely a shit show. You just gave uh, me an idea. Someone's got to open like a hipster butcher shop in downtown or not even downtown Pittsburgh, but where the three rivers meet and just call it three rivers meet. Oh my gosh. That's brilliant. I mean, even just a food truck called that would be great. Three oh, rivers meet. God. But you just like permanently park it in that spot. Trademark, copyright, no hugging, no learning. 2022. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably get back to our show, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so uh, back at home. Uh, Dean and Phyllis show up. These are the neighbors that they need just this last. Everyone else is signed off. Um, and immediately, I feel like this got them off on completely the wrong foot because Phyllis goes immediately, wow, it's the house that Jerry Seinfeld built. Ugh. Yeah, Larry David had nothing to do with it. Uh, yeah, how insulting. I mean, that's worse than like, oh, I've never seen an episode. Like saying that, like giving somebody else complete credit for the thing that yeah. you're a co-creator on. Yeah. Uh, and they, but they go back into the backyard and they look at it. They're like, oh, wow. Yeah. That, that wire's got to like, go. That's like, ugly. Tim, yeah. Tim, imagine we had a million downloads a week. Imagine yeah. someone comes over to your house and says, oh, wow. I love Ted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's it. So this is the house that Ted built. This uh. is the house. This is the house that Ted Hollowell <laughs> bought for you. Yeah. Essentially that's what this lady is. It's absolutely, <laughs> I mean, but yeah. And so. While they're in the backyard, Jeff leaves this frantic message that the camp wants him to pay. I think it's $17,000 to rebuild everything that this kid burned down. And he's like, I need a good lawyer. If you know anybody, let me know. Well, it it just so happens that Dean is a lawyer. How loud is Larry and Cheryl's answering machine? The doors are closed. Yeah, the doors are closed. And it's in the kitchen, which I think does look back over the backyard, but still. (laughs) It's so loud. It's like it was sitting on a table right next to them. Like uh, like Dean and uh, Dean and what's her name Phyllis yeah we're like leaning in a little bit but we can clearly hear it yeah and any I mean Jeff is it sounds like it would probably be responsible but if it was I would have run in and picked up the phone like I don't yeah. want anybody to hear what Jeff Green is gonna say <laughs> out loud <laughs> um, and and I would think you know I don't know whose fault it would be but it reminds me of you know of Larry saying oh yeah I gotta ask Hitler if I can go. And him being on speakerphone and not knowing. If Jeff can make that mistake, he can make the mistake where he says something on an answering machine, thinking only that Larry and Cheryl are going to hear it, and yeah. it, they're in mixed company. Yeah, and I, I mean, offshooting off of, uh, you don't want to anyone to hear what Jeff Green has to say. I mean, now people don't want to hear what Jeff Garland has to say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Did you see the CGI Jeff Garland no. on? Oh my God! No. They tried to like put him into an episode of The Goldbergs, <sighs> and it looks like. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it literally is CGI Jeff Garland, but it looks like they spent about five bucks on it. It looks like more like MS Paint Jeff Garland. They just Good plugged Lord. into the episode. Oh, yeah. And they took like dialogue from previous episodes where he's like, my baby or something. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to you have to look it up. I saw it on Twitter, but I'm sure it's up there. Uh, I, I'm seeing it now. Oh, oh it looks yeah. so bad. Oh, my gosh. It was yeah. so bad. It's like he's I'm like, was he dead? Is he an angel? Did they kill him? off? <laughs> he's like glowing. <laughs> like, are, are, are we John Rittering Jeff Garland now? Oh, my gosh. It's absolutely it makes 
uh, well, it makes Tony Soprano's mom. They had to CGI. They had to like do that with her. It makes Tony Soprano's mom look like uh, she was actually still alive. But so it turns out that Dean is a lawyer, and and Larry's like, oh great, well you know I'll, I'll give him your name. So you know they're really buttering these people up, trying to get this signature. Interestingly enough, Larry needs a lawyer too because he just fired his lawyer. But um, I guess I guess I understand it that he doesn't want to saddle himself with Dean. He he would rather much rather saddle another one of his friends with Dean. But so you know he also ask you know hey do, do do you ever see any of the like, any of the cast like they really start digging in about who oh my god you know yeah. do, do they come over and hang out by the pool and, and larry's like well not by the pool but yeah sure they'll, they'll come over and it turns out gene is obsessed with julia louis dreyfus like we don't hear him say that he's got a very sexual crush on her but that is how he is playing it up and oh, we yeah. we see that phyllis is is playing into it a little bit yeah, she's fine with it, and or, or at least act trying to act like she's fine with it. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, he's like, she's not just beautiful; she's stunning. She's not just talented; she's you know whatever. So he kind of blackmails Larry for a meeting and like really shakes him down mafia style. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it'd be a with- shame if that Waya didn't get buried. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, basically, <laughs> w- without saying it, he yeah. he implies that he's not going to sign any of the papers if he doesn't get to meet JLD. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, that, you know, it's, he was like, well, I mean, I can make a call. I can't guarantee it. He's like, you know what? I mean, I like to guarantee stuff like, you know, this wire, I could guarantee that the papers would get signed, <laughs> for instance. You know, I mean, that would, and Larry, like, and Larry does not appreciate getting shaken down in this way. <laughs> but, you know, so in the bedroom later that night, he's rightly livid. And he's like, there's no way I'm making that call for that weirdo. I'll move before I call is what he says. He's like, if you, you know what, if you, you don't like that wire, start looking for a new house because yeah, he's not going to call. We we do get a lengthy, like, fuck him <laughs> diatribe. I'm like, damn. Yeah, rightly so. Uh, and Cheryl is, and you know, this goes back to like what we're like, Larry is right in this situation. Yeah. Dean is wrong. Yeah. And that's why it's so enjoyable right now. But even Cheryl is not on Larry's side, which is maddening. She's like, come on, just it's just just make the call. You know, she's like really asking. And and Larry finally relents. Uh, but he's got to call Jeff first about this lawyer situation. And it's 1020. And Cheryl says the cutoff is 10. You can't call anybody's house after 10. And Larry's like, no, it's 1030. And he calls and he does wake up Susie, who's very upset, Jeff's wife. And I think this is a very dated storyline. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I grew up in the time when I think if you had kids, I want to say like nine o'clock. Like, I don't think I was allowed to call friends after nine. But when you were an adult, I guess you got that extra hour. But I I would even agree, like no calls after 10. These days, it's like everybody texts anyway. But even I will worry about texting someone overnight because I'm like, maybe they don't have their phone on. Maybe it's on vibrate. Maybe. Yeah, like I will. I will only text someone like later than I don't know. 10 or so yeah. if i'm on like a good like relationship with them yeah and it's not super important like that they can see it the next day yeah. if i if there's a chance that they're sleeping already right right yeah like like i know your phone habits like you put your phone on airplane mode or something right so i know a text to ted isn't even going to be seen the next day so i can do it when i think about it if it's at like 11 or something and not worry about screwing up your precious yeah. sleep yeah. schedule Af- waking up after whatever. After nine thirty, I get no notifications from yeah. from texts, from Instagram, from Twitter, nothing at all. Like I, I'm I'm still able to use my Wi-Fi, but that is uh, that is sleep mode on the iPhone, and I love it. Ah. It is the it is the one thing that I think I love most about uh, at, 
having switched to an iPhone is sleep mode. So if you here's the thing about especially doing a solo morning show. I mean, if you accidentally sleep in, will people still be able to call you at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. whenever people start rolling in that like, hey, Ted's usually here, right? Maybe someone should ring yeah. him. Will that, uh, still, my, will that ring? Yeah, sleep mode turns off at 5 a.m. Oh, for me. there we go. Uh, that's good. I was just worried for a second. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> here's the crazy thing. I used to sleep with my phone. Here's uh, like when I had a razor, like before phones oh, were our yeah. entire lives, I charged my phone in a different room. It wasn't even next to me when I was sleeping. <laughs> like I had an alarm clock and I charged my phone in another room. I left it in the room that I got dressed in. And so like I remember one time I did sleep in and and luckily I woke myself up at a, at a certain time and but sure enough I had like 12 missed calls uh, on, <laughs> on my phone. Um yeah, so the, it it's kind of dated because nobody worries about calling no one has landlines for crying out loud. Uh, so over at Fred Denny's Back on Broadway, which was at 2024 Broadway in Santa Monica, opened in 1982. And I was reading an article about the guy that opened it up, literally Fred Denny. He came to L.A. to be an actor. I think he has one credit on IMDb from like 1978. And then mm -hmm. him and his friend found this restaurant space and they were like, his friend talked him into like opening a restaurant. And so he did. And it was this one and opened in 1982. And when he when it became like a neighborhood fixture, he was like a friggin' saint. First of all, he did free Thanksgiving dinner for what? anybody that wanted it every single year. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. He, he delivered free meals to the elderly. The elderly could eat for free. He During the 1993 Malibu fires, he delivered food to the firefighters. During the Northridge earthquake of 1994, he delivered food to the victims of the earthquake. Uh, he collect, In 1996, he was aiming to collect a thousand he collected five thousand teddy bears for donations for bosnian refugees that he delivered himself that uh, rules holy shit yeah i know this guy was pretty awesome uh unfortunately the restaurant closed july 26 2019 uh he blamed it kind of on you know a lot of businesses moved in and the neighborhood kind of changed and there was no parking he was like people will come and they're like oh yeah let's mm, go to yeah. let's go to uh back on broadway and they'd circle the block like three or four times and then just give up and and a lot of businesses were taking the 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 spots and stuff so um it, it's now a, a well it was for a time just a catering space a space for him to maintain his catering business he still does still have back on the beach cafe that remains open uh but back on broadway is now uppers cafe and bake shop boo <laughs> boo we love fred bring back fred uh, yeah, a pretty awesome guy. I think he's still with us uh, from the article I was reading. But so Jeff and Larry are having a meal there. Lunch, it seems like. Susie is upset that he broke the 10 p.m. cutoff. Uh, and Jeff says Dean is an incompetent lawyer and a freak. Larry sticks up for him. But Jeff, I love how quickly Jeff begs <laughs> Larry's game immediately. He's like, that's not what this is. This is the signature you need. And you need me to. I know your game. <laughs> like, you won't fall for it. Uh, but he still won't fire Dean. He'll stick with them. And, and and Larry says he'll do a good job because he's a prick. You want a prick when you have when a situation like this and you need a lawyer. <laughs> uh, and says it like, you know, in business, Jeff is a prick. And that's what he needs. So uh, meanwhile, the camp kid wants to come and stay with Jeff now that he's being kicked out of camp. And... Because he says, like, he can't go home before camp is over because his mom will think he did something bad. Yeah. <laughs> even though he set half the camp on fire. And Larry says, like, you think you can get the kid to burn down my house? <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. So back over at Dean's place, 
Larry shows up with Julia, and Phyllis opens the door in tears. Her cat died. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so this is what they're walking into. And Julia did not schedule this very well because she only has, like, 10 minutes. She's like, I got to go get my kid at school. Uh, So I think they could have picked a better time for this, but maybe Larry's just trying to get it over with as quickly as possible. And a hard out is a great thing to have when you don't want to spend a lot of time somewhere. But now they're here with this lady whose cat has died and Dean is with Jeff and he'll be home in like 20 or 25 minutes. Uh, (laughs) And that's when Phyllis goes to get the camcorder. And (laughs) this was one of the funniest bits to me, which she just, she points it at Julia Louis drives and goes, talk. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Not only that, she like shoves it in her face. Oh yeah. It's super close up. Yeah. 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 Zoomed all the way in. Talk. Okay. Talk. Okay. Talk. Yeah, and she's saying, like, tell me about Jerry Seinfeld. You know, he dates those young girls. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. Let me talk about the most uncomfortable thing about your friend. He dates those young girls. They're really, like, 17. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and so that's when Larry calls Jeff, and Dean has not left yet. But when Larry gets back to Phyllis and Julia, she is showing her some antique jewelry <laughs> that she has, including... The bracelet that Larry wanted to buy for Cheryl and Julia buys it and it's the it's the exact same bracelet uh, back at Larry's house. Cheryl is uh, says to Larry, you know, go like try and arrange another meeting. And Larry says he's not asking again. He's not going to impose on a friend like that again. Uh, and he left his idea pad at Julia's, though, and he is calling at 950. It is uh, 10 till the 10 o'clock cutoff, but as he finds out when he calls, Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is cut off as 9.30. And I think that's because she has a kid. I would yeah. say nine, nine with kids is a good cutoff, but she gives you that extra 30 minutes. Um, yeah, well, I mean, even we, we learn as Larry shows up in the next scene that 9.30 is the cutoff with kids, nine for visitors. So yeah, they're, no. they're really being lenient because there's no way Larry was able to get over there in, in, in like 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I no. highly doubt no way yeah so if you're coming over nine is the last yeah. nine is the last time to ring the doorbell yeah so it, it's got to be like at least quarter after 10 at this point right yeah totally yeah at least uh he does go over to julia's to find to get the idea pad and brad hall is there julia louis drives his real husband um and larry is scrounging around for his pad like like turning the place over, kind of like yeah. ransacking. Yeah, just like just like showing himself all over the place. Meanwhile, Julia and Brad are getting pissed. Yeah, like he's looking all through Brad's office. He's going into the the, the patio, looking in the cookbook shelf in the kitchen. Yeah, like, through Julia's bills, through yeah. the bills and stuff, like their mail table. Uh, and he even asked the kid, like that. He wakes up the kid. He's like, "Mommy, was <laughs> like, have you seen a little pad? It's a little brown pad." <laughs> God damn. Um, and they finally get him out. And Julia says she's going to call Jerry and tell him about. Yeah, that. this this was this was fun because she she says it like, "What's what's the cutoff in New York? I, I got I got to call and tell Seinfeld about this. He's not going to believe it." Yeah, and I guess it's it would be earlier. No, it would be. It'd be it'd be later. It'd like be it would much be much later. It's like yeah, almost one be, or two there. Yeah, if, if we're if it's like ten thirty at this point, it's a it's one thirty in New York. Yeah. But but Brad is like it's extenuating circumstances. Give him a call. <laughs> I can't believe she had to tattle on Larry to Jerry about this. <laughs> oh, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Back over at Jeff's. Jeff is getting Larry walks in and Jeff is getting the third degree from Susie. Now this is the real Susie. This is the first time we see 
the okay. character of Susie because we've only seen her or like heard about her like yeah come have dinner with us everything come see the baby she, like she's that. been yeah. so nice so far yeah this is the real Susie this okay. I wonder if this was good, the good. breaking point for her <laughs> <laughs> but she she just like did this because it was a, it was a real like emotional scene and they're like hey yeah give us give us this okay yeah cool yeah and then after they're done filming that they're like we want Susie to be this all of the time. It is a fan favorite. Like Larry, Susie cursing at Larry specifically is like a fan favorite bit of the entire run of the show. So, um, yeah, so that was probably like, you know, IRL, the, the character break too. But but this is the thing that like broke her as a person in the show too. Is yeah. like her house getting robbed by the camp kid. The kid ransacked the house and stole everything. Everything's turned over and the TV is gone. The Blu-ray player is gone. Uh, uh, she... Not the Blu-ray player, Tim. The brand new DVD player. Oh, DVD player. It, okay. It's 2000. <laughs> Blu-ray wasn't a thing yet. I guess you're right. I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's gone. And she lays into Larry about calling it 1020 and this stupid lawyer that they have saddled, uh, been saddled with. And also, um, her grandmother's brooch is gone that she brought over when she immigrated. And the the kids stole their wedding video. That's gone. And then uh, Jeff starts worrying about his baseball cards and runs to go <laughs> find them uh, to see if they've been stolen. But yeah, the camp kid has just stolen everything. Uh, back at home, Cheryl walked by the jewelry store and saw the bracelet. And so she just went ahead and bought it. Oh, my God. I guess Richard and Larry, neither one of them, after the fight, even though they've had time to go back, maybe they're just, like, not allowed in. Maybe they have, like, their mug shots up. Like, maybe. They, I mean, they, just... they didn't let Larry in multiple times. They could definitely let or not let Richard in multiple yeah. times, you know? Yeah. So that like bracelet is probably still there. Behind the counter, it's like, no entry for these two. <laughs> like, do not <laughs> let them in. Uh, yeah, so they probably just gave up. But Cheryl went and bought it herself. So we know it's identical to the one that Julia Louis-Dreyfus bought. And, like, I thought it I mean, maybe it was a piece of antique jewelry. That would explain why we were like, why don't you both buy the bracelet? It's a They made more than one of them, right? They can just order another. But I guess the idea is that it was an antique, supposedly one of a kind thing. But Phyllis had one as a dealer and the jewelry store had one as, as a yeah. retail we, place. We weren't told that it was an antique no. in, in the bracelet, though, which is why it's kind of maddening. Yeah, yeah. We were like, just have them look in the catalog and order another one. Yeah. But we didn't find out till now. But, you know, well... I'm trying to think of like the fact that some episodes ran out of order, but um, I guess they I mean, shuffled the, them the, all up. Yeah, th this one definitely would have had to have run after the bracelet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but the one that's coming next is the one where he's going to give the Duck LaRange to the homeless guy. So um, I don't know how they... Yeah, I don't I don't know how the episodes were so, jumbled in that So the case. next one will have no reference to any any bracelet any right anything about the wire anything about larry losing his notebook at least yeah and so cheryl bought the bracelet and she heads out julia comes over larry apologizes for everything and julia asks if he saw when he was looking around the house did you see the bracelet that i bought and the one cheryl bought is sitting right on the table yeah because <laughs> as, as Cheryl was leaving, she showed it to Larry and said, hey, do me a favor and put this away. Yeah. And Larry just throws it on the side <laughs> table right next to the door. I didn't even notice that detail. I thought Cheryl had put it there. <laughs> put this away. Plop. Um, yeah. The one Cheryl bought is right there on the table. Obviously, Julia sees it and thinks Larry stole her bracelet. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, at that point, Dean comes by. And Julia is upset about everything Larry has done to her. 
And now she's seeing this Dean guy who stood her up the other day in the, for this favor she was doing. So she lays into him like, hey, you know what? You're uh, Keep your appointments. If you make a, an appointment, keep your appointments. You're a lawyer. You should be able to understand that. And like after getting chewed out by Julia, who walks out, Dean is broken. Dean is a broken man. <laughs> His idol. Well, Larry's, just... Larry's trying to paint the, the positive yeah. spin on. He's like, you just met Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And he's that like, was I a mean, meeting. It, it was an encounter. It was it was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a meeting. It was a horrible moment. <laughs> uh, and Dean found the idea pad, Larry's idea pad. He dropped it when they were over there with Julia and he's like, I noticed, uh, you know, on, on the first page, there's a, a $500 reward. It <laughs> please, says, please, <laughs> please return to L. David. Yeah. And he's like, I, I, I just assumed L. was was Larry. Is is that you? And Larry storms off. He's like, all right, yeah, I'll get you a check. Yeah. I love it. He was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get you a check. You can buy a new sweater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Insulting the man's clothes. Uh, so <laughs> cut to a shot of Larry and Cheryl in their backyard reading under the unburied wire. As Frolic oh. kicks in, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> All right. What do we got for homework this week? I didn't write anything down. All right. No obscure cool. references. No nothing. character actors I recognized. Yeah, nothing. Okay. Uh, what do you like for cover art? Hmm. I mean, there's a shot, like a shot of all of them in the backyard. Like maybe once Larry is getting really perturbed, uh, might be good. Maybe something with Julia because she's a, a special guest star. Oh, that's true. Yeah. In this. What are you thinking? I I know it's the very end, but I did really like this shot of Larry and Cheryl sitting yeah. underneath the wire. That's funny. I, I agree. Yeah. The titular wire. Yeah, I like that too. I remember that shot as well. Like I, I it's one of the things from the series that I remember is just that shot of really? under the wire. Yeah, I don't know why. Interesting. All right. <laughs> uh let's see what we can come up with for a better description. Okay. So we had Larry and Cheryl befriend their odd neighbors in order to get their approval to bury an unsightly phone wire. Yeah, I don't I don't hate it. I don't either. Curb is like so much better yeah. at episode descriptions than Seinfeld was. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Or maybe maybe that's the team at HBO doing this? Is that where you're getting from HBO Max? Are these the yeah. Max ones? Yeah. I'm 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 just getting these from HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, it must be H whoever yeah, like Hulu needs to hire or Netflix needs to hire the uh, <laughs> the writers who do it for HBO Max, the synopsis writers. Because I can't think of anything I'd change about that. The B storyline is not important enough to, to put it on there. It, it all comes back to them doing favors for these neighbors, hoping that they'll yeah. prove the wire. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. All right, cool. Stays as it is. Nice. So let's get into Newman's mail sack. All right. Zip. All right, we got something in Newman's mail sack from John Mara. Subject line is lost in the mail. Says, hi guys, so nice that you're still doing so well with Curb. I've been a longtime fan. It's still very funny to listen to you. Idea for a new name for Newman's mail sack. There's at least one episode of Curb where LD, as usual, lies about letters, invites, etc. Getting lost in the mail. I'm sure of season 10, episode 2. Which, of course, leads to problems with the mailman. I think the correct PC term now is mail carrier. Uh, that, that, that's in John's email. I'm, I'm not, I'm not right. editorializing that. Uh, John continues, Larry and mail carriers somehow seem to be natural enemies. Hmm. So let's see what's lost in the mail this week or what's found in the mail. But that, that's a bit generic. It's your show. Just a suggestion. Best wishes from John Mara in Stockholm, Sweden. John, I, 
I really like that idea. I like Lost in the Mail. What do you think? Yeah, I, I wish it was from an earlier episode. That's the only thing I wish we would get to yeah. it. Because <laughs> I know I, season 10, I, I'm pretty sure that's the season that I fell off on. I, I, th- I think season 10, I mean, judging on 10 episodes per season and 52 weeks per year, we're going to get to that uh, like February of 2024. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, that's the only thing. But I'm fine with it, too. Lost in the mail or found in the mail. Yeah, I, I, I like it a lot. Lost in yeah. the mail. What's lost in the mail this week? What's lost in the mail? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's get lost in the mail. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. John, thank you so much. <laughs> cool. All right, so so next week, we've got Season 1, Episode 7, Amco. Original air date, November 26th, 2000. And if you're looking at TV Guy that night, you are going to see a radio commercial causes Larry to crash Jeff's beloved car during a test drive. Hmm. A test drive episode. It's so weird. Like, there was a Seinfeld episode about a test drive. You know, it's so interesting. He goes back to the well on some of that stuff. Um, does, this, does this have anything to do with, with radio, with both us being radio guys? I, I guess it will. Um, I know it's a very it's going to reference a very dated commercial, so I'm very curious if to see if because <laughs> this was one of the most famous commercials when I was growing up. But um, I'm going to guess that you will have no frame of reference for it. So it'll is, be is it one eight hundred cars for kids? No, no, no. Oh, it's okay. Amco. Okay. Yeah, I won't spoil I even, it. Do you remember I don't the even Amco know what, commercial? No, I have no okay. idea what Amco is. I think it was a gas station. I guess it's not around anymore. We might have to do a pre dive on this. It's like Amco Transmissions. Oh, yeah. There you go. I guess they were like a garage, like a service. But they were like a, a, a nationwide uh, franchise. Yeah, chain. There you go. Yeah, nationwide chain, I guess, that worked on transmissions. And they had a very famous commercial. I'll just blow right now. I mean, because I, I think this is what causes them to get in an accident. It was the, all the commercials ended like this. Double A. Beep, beep. MCO. Wow. The little, a little car okay. would honk its horn. Yeah. Double A. <laughs> beep, beep. MCO. And, and I'm guessing Larry uh, thinks that the car horn is behind him or something. Ah, could ah, be. Could be. Ah. Ah. It, it, ah. it plays into like, what? I don't think this is actually a rule, but what I've always thought is don't air anything on the radio that has traffic sounds yeah. or like ambulance sounds or, yeah. or police car sounds. But I, I don't. I don't think that's actually a rule because I hear shit like that all the time. Yeah, in, I know. in national spots, even in some music. I think there, there's songs that I, I remember playing that had you know a, a, a siren in them. Like I've I've always hated yeah. that. Anytime that I've that I had to produce a commercial, they're like, yeah, put a like for a. I remember like for a lawyer or something like that. You know, like if you've been in an accident, you know, you hear the siren. I'm like, yeah, I, we, I we want a in. very loud ambulance. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, hate hate that. Hate it. But okay, so is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallowell. Be good. Be good.